All right, keep your Bibles open there, if you would please, to Isaiah chapter 6. Tonight, we're continuing our study on the principle of usefulness. I'm going to title the message tonight, Making Oneself Available to be Used of God. That has been my sincere desire since I dedicated my life to serve the Lord. I gave you a brief part of my testimony this morning. When I was in my early 20s, I was really contemplating how wonderful God is and how good he's been to me. And all that he did for me on the cross of Calvary when he died in my place to pay for my sin, to save me from that terrible place called hell. And I made a decision. I want to live for the Lord. I want my life to be useful for him. In fact, I remember very clearly saying, Lord, I want to be used by you. If I ever come to the place in my life as an individual that I'm no longer any use to you, just take me home. I, I don't want to live here if I cannot be used by God. Now, I remember that was brought to my uh, memory on January the 11th after I had my heart attack when my heart stopped and God used the people of the, of the hospital there to put them, them defibrillator on me and shot me back to life, bring me back to heart, start beating again. And once I uh, got back, woke up and began to think, I realized, I said, Lord, you must still have use for thy servant because you didn't take me home. And so that's my desire to continue to be useful to God, whatever, however he sees fit. So tonight, let's continue that. Tonight, I, I believe you're here tonight because you desire to be useful by God. And whatever area of life he wants to use you, I know that you want to be pleasing to him. So we're going to look at several things tonight, according to Isaiah 6. To make ourselves available to God, we must look in three directions. To make ourselves available to God, we must look in three directions. The first one, I want to call the upward look. The upward look, Isaiah saw the Lord. And if we look there in verse 1 of Isaiah 6, and we're going to see here, first of all, there was trouble on the earth. There was trouble on the earth. We're going to see, first of all, the very first phrase there, in the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah was highly looked upon by Jewish people. He was very prosperous. He was a man who got a lot accomplished for God. For 52 years, Uzziah had led Judah in a program of peace and prosperity. It was an era of expansion and achievement, but he died. And so I'm no doubt this brought a lot of unrest, a lot of uncomfort, a lot of uh, insecure uh, area in the life of God's people. But I want to notice, first of all, Uzziah had a great beginning. Uzziah had a great beginning. If you look and hold your finger right here, go to Second Chronicles, please. We're going to see that he started out very well as a king. And God blessed him and blessed the nation of Judah in a powerful way because of this man's leadership. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26, please. It says there in verse 3, 2 Chronicles 26, verse 3. It says, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign, and he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And letter A, first of all, he had a great beginning. Letter A, he did that which is right. Uzziah as the king did that which is right in the sight of the Lord. It says there in verse 4. He did right, he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. Is it your desire to do that which is right in the sight of the Lord? 
If that's the case, then you're going to be doing that which is right all the time because he always sees you. He sees everything we do. And the one thing that made this man very prosperous and was a good king, he did that which is right. And next thing, letter B, he sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. He not only did that which is right in the eyes of the Lord, but also he sought the Lord. Verse 5, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding and the visions of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to what? You ought to underline that in your, in your Bibles, please. As long as you seek the Lord, my friend, you're going to prosper by God. You're going to prosper spiritually. You're going to grow spiritually as long as you seek the Lord. And I hope that's your desire. This man was a good king because he did that which is right in the sight of God, and he sought the Lord. And it says there, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. That's true of all of us. So if you want to prosper this next year coming up, it's hard to believe that 2022 is almost over. If you want 2023 to be a prosperous, at least in your life with the Lord, your spiritual life, my friend, you must seek the Lord and do that which is right. So Uzziah had a great beginning, but next Uzziah had a tragic ending. Uzziah had a tragic ending. To me, this is uh, disturbing. Here's a man for 52 years did that which was right in God's sight and had great beginning, but my friend, he had a horrible ending. Look in chapter 26 of verse 16, please. Verse 16. First of all, he became prideful. He became prideful. In verse 16, and when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his what? Destruction. By the way, do you ever get prideful? I would encourage you sometime to do a study on pride. One time that I have never seen pride looked upon in a positive light in Scripture. Never does. God blesses the humble, but he resists the proud. And it says in Proverbs 16, verse 18, pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so when pride always precedes destruction. That was true in his life. Can you think of someone else that we've been studying on Wednesday nights that fell because of his pride? Lucifer did, of course. The most powerful, the most beautiful angel God created. And because of his pride, his pride was that I want to be like God. I want to exalt my throne above the throne of God. And basically, because of his pride, because of his beauty and his uh, position, he became prideful and God cast him out of heaven. And so that was the same true of this man. He became prideful and he fell. Letter B, he disobeyed God's word. He disobeyed God's word. How could someone have such a great beginning? How could someone who have such a good start, who sought the Lord, who did that which is right, and God prospered him? Now at the end of his life, he became very prideful and he disobeyed God's word. Look in the verse 16 again, the latter part of it. We'll read the first part again. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. And he goes on to say, For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. And Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men, can't hardly say that, valiant men, verse 18, 
And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee. It's not your place, is what he's saying here, to do this, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord. But the priests, the sons of Aaron, they are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of this sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be, uh, be in thy honor from the Lord thy God. God had designated very clearly in the book of Exodus the job to serve in the tabernacle as the priest. And somehow, because of his pride, maybe he thought, I'm the king. I can do what I want to. I can do what these priests do. And he went into the, uh, into the, uh, uh, the temple and began to offer up incense. The priest saw him, realized this is not your place. You're wrong. You need to get out of here. And so basically, he disobeyed God's word clearly. When he understood what God said, he disobeyed. Let her see, God judged him with leprosy. God judged him with leprosy. How many are grateful that when you do wrong, God doesn't judge you with leprosy? He did the king. In verse 19, Then Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priest, the leprosy even rose upon his forehead before the priest and the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Verse 20. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out thence. Yea, himself hastened also to get out, because the Lord had smitten him. I don't know about you, I got out too, don't you, wouldn't you? So basically... Because of his pride, said, I'm the king, I can do anything I want to. By the way, what have you done because of your pride? What has your pride led you to do that you know is wrong? And here's what it did to him. And basically, he thought he could do something he shouldn't do because of who he was. God struck him a leprosy, and he, the priest saw that, ran him out, and he got at himself in verse 21. And Uzziah the king was a leper until the day of his death. And dwelt in several in a several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. He could no longer go to God's house. He no longer could live among people because he had a contagious disease called leprosy. How can a man who had such a great beginning have a terrible ending? Pride, pride. And now I want to encourage you: if you have become prideful, remember this man, what it did to him. When he, looked, when he had his upper look, first of all, there was trouble on the earth, but also there was peace in heaven. There was trouble on the earth. No doubt the people of Israel, of Judah, saw their king, what he did, how God struck him with leprosy, and now they're without a king. And the man who led them to great prosperity and blessings, now he's dead. And no doubt there was great lot of insecurity and a lot of problems among the people. There was trouble on the earth, but there was peace in heaven. Look with me, would please. Um, back up in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. First of all, God was seated on, in majestic power and glory. When he looked into heaven, though there was trouble on this earth, he saw God seated in majestic power and glory. In verse 1, it said, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Next, and not only did he see the Lord seated in majestic power and glory, he saw angelic creatures praised him for his holiness and his glory. Look in verse 2. 
Above it, talking about the throne of God, stood the seraphims. And we studied the seraphims on Wednesday nights. These are one of the creatures that God created, one of the many angels that God created. The most powerful angel in heaven is who? Was Lucifer, and what kind of angel was he? He was a cherub, and he was called the anointed cherub. And so there were other angels beside the cherub. Now, cherub is singular, cherubim is plural. Seraph is singular, seraphim is plural. When he saw there, there were seraphim, many of them. These were other creatures in heaven also that were created by God, angelic creatures that praised God for his holiness and glory. Verse 2, above it stood the seraphims, plural. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with glory. Interesting. Now from uh, uh, Isaiah's place, there was trouble on earth. Isaiah, uh, Judah was now in a mess. The king is dead. And the king di- died because of his sin. And no doubt a lot of insecurity going on on this earth. A lot of trouble here. But he looked up in heaven, my friend. There was peace in heaven. I, I like uh, Isaiah 26, uh, 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. I find you keep your mind in heaven and on this earth. I don't know about you, when I look around our earth, when I see what our government, I see our presence do unto our country, I see a lot of trouble. I see a lot of problem. And I don't see much peace on this earth. My friend, when you look to heaven, God's not out there saying, oh my gosh, how did this man, Biden, become president? Oh, what in the world's going on? He's not out there wringing his hand. He's not walking back and forth trying to worry about what's going on. He's sitting upon his throne, sovereign king. He's not worried about a thing. He's in peace up there. And so it says there, God lifted Isaiah's eyes from himself and from his people to the throne of heaven. There might be confusion and unrest on earth, but there was perfect peace in heaven. God was seated in majestic power and glory. People on earth might be recalling the shame of Uzziah's uh, death, as a leper and failure as a king. But there was no shame or a shadow of failure in heaven. Rather, there was angels crying out, Holy, holy, holy. Said the earth is full of his glory. So, we're going to... By the way, here's a question. When Isaiah saw this God sitting upon the throne, which the angels crying, Holy, who was that? Who was that sitting upon the throne? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Go with me now to John chapter 12. Who did Isaiah see sitting upon the throne and the angels crying, holy, 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 of this God sitting upon Who is that? Of the Godhead. There's three persons. There's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Which person of the Godhead was sitting upon the throne? I want to notice here, the Apostle John informs us Isaiah saw Jesus Christ sitting upon the throne. John 12, please. John 12. When John, excuse me, when Isaiah saw trouble on this earth, he looked at heaven and saw peace. He saw God sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up. And John tells us, on the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he saw Jesus. He saw the second person of the Godhead sitting upon the throne. 
prior to his incarnation. He's sitting there. John 12, 37, please. John 12, 37. I want you to see it for yourself. So, but though he, talking about the Lord Jesus, had done so many miracles before them, yet they, what? Believe not on him. So the he and him is Jesus Christ. Verse 38. That the saying of Isaiah, so it means Isaiah, the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? To whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe because of what that Isaiah said again. Verse 40. He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. But verse 41. These things saith Isaiah. Isaiah means Isaiah. When he saw what? His glory. And spake of him. Who's the his and him? Jesus, the one who's doing all the miracles. So basically, when Isaiah looked in heaven, though there was trouble on this earth, there was peace in heaven, because the Lord Jesus Christ, and I appreciate so much when I hear Pastor Bloom pray, he always refers to the God of heaven as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. And he still is. He's seated upon the throne there now. And though there is great turmoil on this earth, and I just seem to be getting worse and worse and worse, it's not getting worse in heaven. There's peace in heaven because the God is sitting upon his throne. So the first direction we must look to be useful to God is an upward look. Isaiah saw the Lord. Number two is now an inward look. Isaiah saw himself. After an upward look, where well, he saw the Lord. Now number two, the inward look. Isaiah saw himself. Look in verse 5, please. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5. First of all, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he looked at himself, he saw his own sinfulness. Isaiah saw his own sinfulness. In verse 5, as a result of seeing the Lord sitting upon his throne, he said here, then said I, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Notice his response. When he saw the King, the Lord of hosts, he looked at himself, and what did he say about himself? Woe. You know what the word woe means? He was not riding a horse trying to get the horse to stop. You know what I'm saying? Whoa, whoa. Woe means judgment. When he saw the Lord, the King of glory, he looked at himself, and he says, judgment unto me. He saw himself worthy of what he deserved in the sight of a holy God. Woe is me, for I am undone. The word undone means to be dumb, brought to silence. There was nothing in his life which he could claim worthy of any kind of blessings. He saw himself as in the presence of God. Number one, he realized his condition. Isaiah saw his own sinfulness. Number one, he realized his condition. What was his condition? One worthy of judgment. One worthy that he could not even have any place to speak up in his own behalf. He said, I am undone. It means to be dumb. It means brought to silence. Why? For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. A true vision of God and his holiness always makes us realize our own sinfulness and failure. 
A true vision of God in his holiness always makes man realize his own sinfulness and own failure. Let me give you some examples of this. Job, you ever heard of Job? Job saw God and he repented. Look, and uh, I believe the verse will be on the screen. In Job 42, verse 5, he said, I have heard thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, because he saw the Lord, I abhor myself and repent and dust and much. The word abhor means detest. I hate, detest myself and what I am in the sight of this holy God. And he says, I repent in dust and ashes. Here is a man's response when he sees God. Peter, when he saw the power of Christ, declared his own sinfulness. Luke chapter 5. Let me read that to you. So you don't have to turn there. Luke chapter 5, verse 6. Talking about when they were fishing. This was after the resurrection. They were fishing and caught nothing. And someone on the shore says, cast your nets on the other side. The Lord Jesus told them to do that. And when they did, what happened? Verse 6, Luke 5, verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes that their nets break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the uh, uh, other ship. And they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships with fish, so they began to sink. And when Peter saw it, saw the power of Christ, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. My friend, when men, sinful men, sees God in his, the person he is, the only response is, woe, judgment unto me. I'm undone. They have nothing to say for themselves. And Job saw God repented. Peter saw him declared, I'm a sinful man. When believers have a true experience with the Lord, it does not make them proud. Rather, it humbles and breaks them. So, first of all, Isaiah, in the inward look, he saw, realized his condition. Number two, he made confession of his sin. Number two, he made confession of his sin. Now, we're talking about this inward look when he saw himself. After he saw the Lord, he looked at himself. He realized his condition of sinfulness, and he made confession of his sin. Look what it says in verse 5 again. He said, I am a man of what? unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He saw his sinfulness. He can make confession of his sin and then he receives God's cleansing. Isaiah received cleansing. He realized his condition. He made confession of his sin and let her be Isaiah received cleansing from the Lord. Notice what his confession was. What kind of man was he? A man of unclean lips. Look again in verse 6. As a result of his confession of unclean lips, verse 6 of Isaiah, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, thy sin purged. So basically, Isaiah was a man of unclean lips. Why? Why do we have unclean lips? Because we have an unclean heart. We have an unclean heart. When Isaiah confessed his sins, he mentioned especially unclean lips. Unclean lips is a product of an unclean heart. 
Matthew 12, I believe it'll be on the screen. Look at it with me, please. It begins to say, Jesus said, O generation of vipers, how can ye be in evil? Speak good things. For out of the abundance of their heart, the mouth, what? My friend, what are your words like? Are your words ever, ever bitter, critical, criticizing other people? Do they ever say things they shouldn't say? You say, what's caused me to talk that way? You have unclean lips because you have an unclean heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaketh. Go with me now to Matthew 15, please. Matthew 15. So when you say things you shouldn't say, you say words that hurt other people, cut other people. You use words that are very critical and mean and ugly and nasty. You say, where in the world is that coming from? My friend, it comes from your heart. It's a sign of what you are like on the inside. Matthew 15, verse 18. Matthew 15, 18. Here it says, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the what? Heart. And they defile man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies, and so on. Basically, he was a man of unclean lips because he was a man of unclean heart. So he made confession of his sin, and angel come and cleanse him from his sin. We're looking at three directions to look to be used of God. What was the first direction? An upward look. Isaiah saw the Lord. What was the second look, direction? Inward look. He saw himself. Number three, the third direction to look to be used of God is an outward look. An outward look. Isaiah saw the need. Look in verse 8, please. Verse 8, Isaiah said, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Do you notice right here is a verse you can use for the Trinity? Here God is speaking. First of all, he said, Whom shall I send? But who will go for us? Us, plural. The God that's one is also the God of plural. Notice here, here's Isaiah, look at it, please who saw trouble on this earth, but he saw peace in heaven. When he saw God sitting upon his throne, high and lifted up, full of glory, the next day he looked at himself. And he said, you know, whoa, I deserve nothing but judgment. I cannot speak anything for myself because he was dumb. And, and, and he said, I'm undone. And so he saw his sinfulness. He confessed his sin and received cleansing. But did you notice when he confessed his sins, who are the sins that he confessed? He said, I, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. So here's a man who saw God for who he was, saw himself for who he is, realized his need, and said, not only do I experience God's forgiveness, the people around me also need the same. Have you ever appreciated your salvation so much that you wanted to tell other people about it? You ever appreciate the forgiveness you have when you saw yourself who you are in the sight of a holy God and, and, and you received Christ as Savior and you received his cleansing and forgiveness? My friend, does that move you to tell other people? That's what it does, did to him. And he heard a voice in heaven. This one in heaven said, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Notice Isaiah here makes himself available for God to use. God asked the question, 
Isaiah, who am I going to send? There's people out there just like you that need forgiveness. Who am I going to send? Who's going to tell them? And how did Isaiah respond? Here's my neighbor, send him. (laughs) So often we see our loved ones and friends that are without Christ. We want them to get saved. We'll pray for somebody else. Lord, send somebody to send them. Have you ever said, Lord, here am I? Send me. That's what Isaiah did. Two statements necessary when one makes himself available to God. The first one is, here am I, Lord, send me. Have you ever did that? When you had a desire for other people to get saved and people to hear the good news of the gospel, have you ever responded and said, Lord, here am I, send me? I know fear of talking, fear of saying the wrong thing, fear of not knowing what to say. Many times we don't want to go talk to them. But sometimes you might be the best vessel God has to share with them. So the first statement, there's two statements necessary when one makes himself available. The first one is, here am I, Lord, send me. By the way, there were four other men in the Bible that, that made that same response. You know who they are? Hope you write them down. First of all, Abraham. Abraham said the same thing. In Genesis 22, 11, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. So Abraham made himself available to God. The second person that responded the same way was Jacob. Jacob also responded the same way. In Genesis 46, verse 2, and God spake unto Israel, that's another term for a name he gave Jacob, in the visions in the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. He responded the same way as Abraham did, the same way Isaiah did. Another person you know well, same thing, Moses. You heard of Moses? Exodus 3, verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush that was burning and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, what? Here am I. But you know, I found interesting. In each of these cases, to Abraham, to Jacob, and Moses, God mentioned the name twice. You notice that? Abraham, Abraham. Jacob, Jacob. Moses, Moses. Why is that? I don't know why. I just saw that. Maybe I'll do a study on that. So if you hear, if he mentions your name twice, you ought to listen. <laughs> but anyway, the th- fourth person who responded the same way was Samuel. You ever heard of Samuel before? Go with me, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. Samuel, a man greatly used to God. In each case, God used them because Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Samuel, and Isaiah made themselves available. God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Each case, each one said, here my Lord, send me. Samuel chapter 3, verse 4. Samuel was just a young man at this time. He was being trained to serve the Lord in the temple. Remember when his mother had him, she gave him to the Lord, and he served in the temple all the days of his life. But in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 4, he was asleep. And notice when verse 4 said that the Lord called Samuel and he answered what? Here am I. Verse 5. And he, Samuel, ran unto Eli, that was the priest, and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. 
lie down again. And he went and lay down. Verse 6, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went unto Eli and said, here am I, for thou hast discalled me. And he answered, I called thee not, my son. Lie back down. I believe he's probably going to say, don't bother me anymore. Quit waking me up. I didn't call you. But verse 7, now Samuel did not know yet the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. Verse 8, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he rose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. And notice here, remember the first statement we need to make to be available to God is what? Hear my Lord, send me. We'll go now see the second statement necessary to be used of God. We see it in verse 9. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, thou shalt say, underline it please, highlight it, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. That's the second phrase we need to make to be available to God. Not only hear my Lord, send me. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. The word heareth means listens to obey. In verse 10, and the Lord came and stood and called as he the other times. And here he said twice, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, speak, for thy servant heareth. Listen, please. This is a prayer that ought to be in your lips every time you come to church. When you come to the house of God where God's word is preached, oh, that you might come and say, Speak, Lord, thy servant listeneth. Do you come to listen that you might obey the Lord? Or do you come just to fellowship? I'm not against fellowship. Do you come just to be around God's people? I'm not against that at all. But when you come to the house of God, or when you personally come to the word of God, you ought to start, say, Lord, speaketh, for thy servant listeneth. Speak to me. And so this should be the prayer every time we come to church or we read our Bibles. Isaiah made himself available with, a que- with this thing. Hear my Lord, send me. Then he says, speak, Lord, for thy servant listeneth. So my question to you, Christian, will you make yourself available to God? God wants to use you. He wants to use you more than you want to be used. We saw this morning that he looked trying to find someone to make up the hedge stand in the gap. He said, I found none. As he looks on this audience right here, can he find a man or woman here that wants to be used of God? He's looking for people that you'll share what you experienced from God. Isaiah experienced God's cleansing, God's forgiveness. Then he looked away from heaven, away from himself, and outward. He saw the need. Those other people need God's forgiveness too. And God said, okay, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? What did Isaiah say? Here am I. Send me. Let's bow together, please. My friend, God is still looking. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth, looking for someone he may show himself strong on behalf of. He's looking for people right here in Land of Lakes, Florida, right here in First Baptist Church, someone he can use in a great way. Your responsibility is to say, Lord, here am I. Have you ever said that before, before the Lord? If not, why not do it right now? Maybe do it fresh and new. As you talk to God, 
Maybe they say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for your forgiveness. Though I'm a sinner deserving of your judgment, you gave me forgiveness and salvation. And Lord, my family, my friends, people I know need the same experience, what I've experienced from you. And no doubt he'll say, to whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Why not tell the Lord right now, hear my Lord, send me. My family, my uncle, my aunt, my neighbor, my friend, my loved one, they need salvation. Hear my Lord, send me. Then why not respond the second way? Lord speaketh, for thy servant listeneth. He wants to tell you. God does not speak in an audible voice. He speaks through his word. By his Holy Spirit, he speaks to us from the word of God. So when God's word is preached, when God's word is read, I pray that you always approach this wonderful book we have with an attitude, Lord speaketh, for thy servant listeneth. Father, thank you for wanting to use your people. Thank you for giving us the joy and privilege to be used of you to bring others to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us never get tired of that. Never Help us never lose sight of that wonderful privilege we have to share the gospel of the lost and dying world. Lord, help us to always make ourselves available to be used of you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.